0: From the Carter Subaru Studios, this is the G and Ursula Show with G.
1: Scott and Ursula Voitin. Good morning and happy Wednesday to all of you. Thank you so much for joining us on the G and Ursula Show. G is out today and Mike Lewis has stepped in. Good morning. Good morning, Ursula. So we have another great show packed with all the news that you need to know. Coming up at 930 after Heather's newscast, uh, there's support. New support, I'll say, for a stripper's bill of rights, and it's coming from an unlikely source, and his name is Mike Lewis. <laughs> 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 okay, we'll explain. You were sharing a story, we're like, save it for the air, save it for the air. Um, we've got. Old the stuff that you've come to know and love about the Gian ursula show today as always we invite you to join us on our muckleshoot casino resort text line 888-973-5476-888-973 cairo and with that we're ready for our top stories brought to you by wayscar to Suzu in auburn as you heard in Heather's newscast, six people were arrested after a Seattle City Council meeting was disrupted by protesters who were demanding housing for refugees.
2: They request that we have police response. Uh, our physical safety is being threatened by the actions of the demonstrators outside banging on the windows.
1: Uh, those demonstrators claimed that they were acting on behalf of refugees from Latin America who moved from a church in tequila to several hotels in South King County, but they are now facing eviction again. And Mike, you know that these protesters marched into the council chambers yesterday they were demanding that the city of seattle use police funding to house the asylum seekers new city council member kathy moore asked police to step
2: in i physically feel threatened i don't know about my colleagues the business of this council has been unnecessarily interrupted it continues to be interrupted um, it is not appropriate and this action needs to be recognized Um, And we need to make sure that this does not happen going forward. We are shutting down the operations of our democracy because of a mob action, and it is not to be tolerated.
1: Okay hear them continuing she actually sounded like she had fear in her voice hundreds of migrants have been staying in this camp outside the riverton park methodist church in tequila but they've been, been demanding shelter because of inhumane conditions at the church so they've been staying at the quality inn in kent for several weeks and part of that uh, bill was paid by the city of seattle but now they apparently have to be out by this morning
3: by wednesday right yeah and so, a couple of things here. I, I, one, um, I actually do think that the the state and the feds, and, and I don't even mind cities as well, should do something to at least keep people housed, certainly if it's refugees. Uh, people with families, which is what we're dealing with uh, in this particular case. Secondarily, I don't think that the council members were under any physical threat. And I think that's a little bit overstating the situation. There's definitely people in there shouting, which was a weekly occurrence when Shama Swant was was a council member. So so and I get the idea of a of some protests are inherently messy. And this one in this particular case, whether or not you agree with what they were protesting about, setting that aside. But the third thing is that We've got an issue, uh, an, in, uh, an inconsistent issue with the whole refugee process mm-hmm. in the United States. And mm-hmm. if you look at the way refugee asylum grants are handled, right now we're approving something like 55% of the people from, from Egypt, 58% of the people from China, 4% of the people from Ecuador, 5% of the people from Belize, 3% of the people from Colombia. This is the problem. We have, we have spun it in a way. And primarily because it's an election year, and primarily because these are people coming in through a border that has become as much a political symbol as a as a geographical boundary, this is what's happening, and this is what we're dealing with right now. And I would certainly hope that at some point, at least, get folks while because frequently what happens is you when the in the asylum process you come in, and they can they either send you back they hold you in detention or they say all right you're not really a threat you are going while you're going through the asylum process this is what the federal law provides you can you can be free in society within reason to go and get shelter blah 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 maybe even find some way to to earn some money this is the process these folks are in right now so they're not here illegally not yet not until there's a decision made about their status We need to create a structure where we can deal with this because it's unfortunate that a city like Tukwila is actually bearing the weight of this financially, and that shouldn't be happening.
1: Well, actually, they haven't been, but now they have just stepped up. No, they're going to right now, right. They have to, yes. So they they announced that they're going to be installing this temporary large tent at the Riverton Park United Methodist Church. I, I said it on Seattle's Morning News, and I'll say it again. The word needs to get out that there's no more room at the inn at that church because they cannot house the people that right. that they already have. And, and and we got to the point where it's over 400 people were looking with, with no place to go right. uh, and, and somehow got the word that they can stay in this place in Tequila. But then it suddenly becomes the city of Seattle's problem because some of these protesters also uh, a few weeks ago went to City Hall and made demands and the city said okay we will find the money for your temporary housing we'll do our part right um but i actually applaud the seattle city council for how they handled it you know what Uh, kathy moore is a former judge i I can't tell you if she felt threatened or not oh it sounded like it. genuinely sounded sounded like like she did feel threatened without any question exactly so you know what um, she's entitled to feel the way she did. And, and I, I appreciate that we're not going to accept this chaos that happens every time, the chaos that results in a blank check handed over to people who make a lot of noise. Uh, I'm, not
3: sure, Seattle, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I'm going to go with you on that okay, one, but I get you.
1: I know. But um, Seattle City Council President was on with Seattle's morning news. And uh, Sarah Nelson talked about these particular protesters. And this is the issue that I have as well. I am very sympathetic to refugees, asylum seekers. I mean, we absolutely need to improve our process. There needs to be a process. But this is what she had to say about these particular people who were at the meeting yesterday.
0: It's clear that these were organizers and activists and protesters that were advancing other agendas. In this case, they didn't want the um, the the anti-gun violence technology. They could have gone to the public meeting that was happening that evening in Bitter Lake and and pressed their case there. But, you know, they came to uh, City Hall because more visible, etc., the, the one in January 30th was organized by Stop the Sweep. These are the people that don't like that the city is offering housing to people living in open air drug markets on public property. OK, so so they are commandeering or hijacking using one issue to advance their political agenda on other issues.
1: And that's the part that infuriates me. I know it infuriates a lot of people where I. Um, it's not even about the refugees themselves, but it's a way. You know, they were talking about let's get the money away from these uh, other police projects that we have, the gunshot detection and that kind of thing, right. and use it for this. And, um, and, and in my opinion, um, causing chaos at a, at a meeting to shut it down is not the way to help. In this situation.
3: Yeah, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. I would only point back to 200 years of protest in the United States and, like, it's a messy yeah. business. And it I'm not, and, and that is not me justifying it, it is me explaining it.
1: Yeah. I just think that uh, up until recently, the city council has kowtowed to every protest, pre- protesters' demands. And in this case, as a someone, and I know you live in the city of Seattle too, as someone who lives in the city of Seattle, I'm happy to see that they were like, eh, nope, we're going to shut it down. Okay, moving on. We have an extra day this month, don't forget. The forecast, though, says that February is going to end with a bang or at least some very wacky weather. And right now, our Kyber News Radio meteorologist, Ted Beener, joins us live to explain what we can expect. Good morning, Ted. Good morning. Okay, so how bad is it going to get? Yeah.
2: <laughs> where do you want to talk? The lowlands, up in the oh, mountains? Where, where most can... of us live. And work. Yeah, I, w- I figured. But, you know, there's a lot of people heading across the Cascades, too. But j- bottom line is we've got a very strong Pacific weather system that's spreading rain onshore right now. And it's kicking up a lot of winds. I've already seen a wind gust of 56 miles per hour up on Camano Island. That's where your strongest winds are going to be all the way through this evening. Uh, the rest of the region here from you know roughly King County southward, 20 to 35 miles per hour. Gusts might get as high as 45 miles per hour. So there's the possibility of some isolated power outages here and there. Also pretty strong winds out on the coast. Uh, also gusting close to 50 miles per hour. So a lot of rain falling. We're going to see probably somewhere between one and two inches of rain throughout much of western Washington. And of course, up in the mountains, that is turning into snow. Now, our snow levels, which were quite low the last couple days, yeah. has popped back up around 3,500, 4,000 feet. So we're getting kind of a mix of rain and snow at Snoqualmie Pass, but it's snowing like gangbusters up there. And after this weather system moves through during the overnight hours tonight, we're going to see another surge of colder, unsettled uh, air come in with uh, showers, the possibility of thunderstorms, and bring that snow level down by Friday close to 500 feet. So yes, we could see a repeat of what we saw on Tuesday morning. And maybe get another 2 to 4 feet of really needed snow up in the cascades okay i'm okay with keeping it in the cascades
3: yeah (laughs) (laughs) although i kind of look forward to snow in seattle so you know but that's just me
1: again you like the chaos
3: i like
2: it (laughs) don't
1: ted we appreciate you thank you so much
2: oh you're welcome and by the way march looks like it's coming in like a lion oh okay
1: (laughs) we'll enjoy this last two days of february a Port Orchard couple is dealing with the fallout now after a well-known parking service near SeaTac Airport gave their car to a thief. Cairo 7 TV's Didi Sun explains
0: what exactly happened there. Gary and Mary Johnson left their car with Master Park Valet before a vacation. When they got back last week and went to pick up their car, there was a problem.
4: Finally admitted that somebody took the car. I'm told a newer
0: employee handling the situation appears to have not followed proper procedure. Police found his Stolen car in South Seattle. Master Parks president acknowledged they messed up, saying over the phone, "We made a mistake, and we're certainly taking responsibility for the situation." And uh,
1: Master Parks CEO said that this thief was really slick. So apparently, he called in a couple hours ahead of time because you have to call in and say, okay, I'm ready to pick up my car, blah, blah, blah. He was able to provide the license plate number, and he said he would be the one picking up the car instead of whoever dropped it off, and there was a newer employee who handled the situation and didn't follow proper procedures, and and, and this happened, and when they got the car back, it was just trash, filled with clothes, even a plastic gun, you know, I mean...
3: Well, I mean but this is an example of a business hand. I mean every if you're in business, you're going to have mistakes. You someone you or someone of your employees is going to make a mistake. It's a, what a, what what my dad told me many 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 years ago, it's not the mistake, it's how you respond to the yes. mistake that defines who you are. This is what they did. Exactly what they should do. They they admitted to it. I mean, they they figured it out first, admitted to it, made it right. This is a more less a story about a car getting stolen than it is about a business responding Absolutely. in a manner that a business should.
1: Exactly. And, and I will continue to ma- use Master Park Lot B. Um, <laughs> and no, I don't. What get kind paid of car do you have?
0: <laughs> a super, no
1: one's. Here's the I'm great here thing I'm going to pick up Ursula's car. I know, exactly. Here is the great thing about the cars I drive. No one will want to steal them.
5: No, you haven't one seen of, the car I of, drive. If, if, I might, if, it might if be if an upgrade for me. 2003 Honda
1: Pilot. <laughs> I think I think I'm good. A power struggle is heating up over a plan to put dozens of electrical lines through a North Everett neighborhood. Snoh- Snohomish County's Public Utility District says it needs to build more than 60 of them to meet their growing demand. Neighbors are telling King Five News, though, that these poles are massive. They're nearly 100 feet tall, and they're not happy about this proposal. Another example of. Not putting people first. So, Mike, one of the things they're arguing is that this is a working class neighborhood. They don't have time to go to public hearings and testify. They're, you know, they're at work and, and they feel like if they don't make a stink about this, it's just going to automatically go in. They say this project would mean that they would lose trees that in some cases include tree forts. They're working a lot of hours and they come home. They don't have time to go to the parks, but they do have time to go outside to the front yard and to play catch or to um, just spend time with their children. So PUD spokesman Aaron Swainey tells King 5 News his agency is listening to their complaints. We're really, really early in the process of this, so getting that feedback from customers now is critical to helping us design that preferred route. But uh, PUD is expected to make a decision on this preferred route for the power poles this spring. Yesterday we were talking about, hey, you know, Do you have the right to complain if your neighbor has a bunch of we call them derelict cars on their property? I mean, now we're talking about basically a necessity. And one of the questions I was asking is, can't they go underground anymore?
3: Well, so I know that going underground is is massively disruptive, and uh, also in addition to the, the the surface level installation. And people get unhappy about that too. I mean, a couple of things are going on here one um, if you remember back when the when the when the tunnel was ninety nine tunnel was being built, and there was a discussion about should it be a, a cut and cover tunnel should it be the deep one that they ended up doing? should it be something else? And the problem with when you when you 're installing like a length of power lines like this three miles long i think is mm-hmm. is is a is the length of it uh, it is pretty disruptive if it you is. decide to go underground and the neighbors are going to be unhappy about that. The unfortunate thing here really is that these public projects from the building of i five to anything any sort of major um, easement any sort of major uh, right of way by a government agency. They don't tend to go through wealthy neighborhoods, and, and in part that's a that's a geographic reason because the the lower income neighborhoods tend to be t- closer to the traffic corridors, right? And so what you have, and that's where they want to run the power lines. And so this is a difficult situation because their their preferred routes, none of them goes through a high income neighborhood. They're all going through relatively moderate income neighborhood. Someone here is going to end up unhappy. Building mass transit, building building out infrastructure.
1: Wait, wait, wait. Is, is can, can always you, a matter. Can you back up though? Yeah, yeah. Because you pointed out that it's always going to go through uh, less affluent parts. Well, it doesn't. But why?
3: It doesn't. So, so because uh, other than more affluent places, if you were to look at the nicer areas of Bellevue, Newport Hills. Yeah. Does Newport Hills is that located in a population center or is Newport Hill? You get my drift? Like, yes. Okay, like sometimes yeah, 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 yeah. it's a logistical yeah. problem. It yeah. is not intent. Sometimes it is entirely intent <laughs> uh, to go through because they feel like these are people not as engaged in the political yeah, exactly, process, and we can just drop it there is. and absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. That is a completely legitimate complaint. I'm just saying, in this particular case, on all the preferred routes, I don't see one there that doesn't go through a similar sort of neighborhood. So someone, it's a matter of what. what what's the old line, that someone's ox is going to get gored here. Mm.
1: Okay, still ahead, it's going to be story time with Mike Lewis, because I didn't realize that well, when you are a newspaper reporter, you had a very interesting assignment, and it's going to do with, a few. <laughs> it's gonna have to do with strip clubs. We're, we're going to be talking about the Stripper's Bill of Rights and why Mike Lewis supports it. So uh, listen to that and more coming up next on the Gia Nursla Show. show G is out today. Mike Lewis is in and right now in Olympia, lawmakers are considering a so-called stripper's bill of rights. Now, some of you might automatically think "Uh, that's a bad idea if you're against any kind of sex work. But even anti-trafficking groups are actually supporting this legislation. Amy Marie Morell with the Cupcake Girls Organization wrote in the Seattle Times that adult venue rules have to change to protect the women who work there. And she says that strippers face serious health and safety risks. And uh, there are some clubs that don't even offer running water or bathrooms. For many, they have to deal with sexual harassment and assault as if it are part of their jobs. And so this bill would... Mandate basic protections, including dedicated security personnel, secure dressing rooms, comprehensive training on workplace sexual harassment prevention, and protocols for handling violent patrons, which... I would imagine that most people would agree. If you're going to have those kind of uh, clubs, uh, you should have those kinds of protections. Without any doubt. But there is one element that maybe there's more debate about, and that is the ability for these venues to be able to sell alcohol. Now, Mike, I got to admit, until we started talking about the strippers' bill of rights, I, I, I have not been to a stripper club in Seattle. I've been they're, in they're other referred countries. To as strip clubs, not strip cl- stripper
5: <laughs> club. But go ahead. See, Ursula doesn't take See, marijuana my, either. Might
1: not, not even take the reefer. Shush. Okay, <laughs> okay, okay, uh, okay. Strip clubs, um, but I didn't know that they weren't able to sell alcohol. So there's a big push to be able to have them sell alcohol. What say you?
3: So As uh, someone
1: who f- has frequented. First
3: off, calls. first off, let's talk about the Bill of Rights broadly speaking. The Bill of Rights broadly speaking is a great idea because everyone who ha- is an employer owns a business has to provide certain workplace standards. Yes. And for some reason, I don't know why, these folks don't don't tend to.
1: Well, I think the stigma attached to it. I'm
5: no, wondering. but Independent I mean, but, but, but yes. you
3: still, but you still, well, precisely right. And you still have to. I mean, I have to provide hand washing stations, the the works. The health department literally inspects our place once a month, something like that. And I'm and I'm happy for it. We get excellent ratings, that's great. But we have to maintain a yes. standard. Why these clubs don't have to, I think the stripper bill of rights, giving them just basic facilities and security makes a ton of sense. Now, as far as the alcohol thing goes, here's an odd here's an odd thing. When, back when I was a reporter at the, at the Post-Intelligencer, I had to cover a lot of stories as we all did on what was then referred to as the four-foot rule. Mm-hmm. This was when the city jumped in because they felt like lap dances were turning into something additional. And, and there was some Investigative evidence. Although I do remember one police officer in Seattle going back for like thirty times to oh, make sure that this yeah. was happening. Yes. <laughs> All right. So he's an he's a intrepid investigator and, <laughs> and Just really doing his research. <laughs> I, I well. gotta say, you know, I admire the stick to itiveness. So, <laughs> so, th- so that happened, and then the the the. So I was in, ended up having to go in these in these places fairly free, sixty times, like just like the cops. I had to go in these places fairly frequently to do interviews until they would throw you out because they were not super happy to have reporters in there. Here's the thing: I also also when I moved into town, I don't know what I was thirty five years old or something like that. You end up going to bachelor parties because that's an age would like your friends. A lot of your friends are getting married, and but the thing was, everyone would go to the strip clubs in Portland in part because. They served booze, but mainly in part because they felt a lot less sleazy than the ones in Seattle, because they were just like functional bars that happened to have people dancing, you know, unclothed. This is not it was it was odd in that. And you talk to anyone who goes these places and I'm not an expert, although I'm certainly sounding like it, the the. Issue is that the clubs where it behaves as a normal bar get much more tightly regulated, much more tightly watched, and they actually end up being a lot better places to deal with. And that the ones, is the argument and being I'm, made. And yes. I'm sorry for if I'm you know if you own a club here in Seattle and I'm like you know throwing you under the bus, but I gotta say, you know, and, I, and I'm not really I'm old enough now that I'm not really in the sort of like I don't have friends going to strip clubs anymore. All of us will probably just have a heart attack. But but the the. <laughs> The issue is that these clubs are very different when they're much more tightly regulated. You bring in liquor board regulations along with other things, suddenly people are are putting eyes on these places, and the little problems don't turn into big problems. And the security issues actually And so, weirdly enough, adding alcohol would probably address a lot of these concerns because it would just bring in more regulation, which is sorely needed.
1: Because what's happening is that people are coming into Loaded These places and they got a bottle.
3: Up. They got a bottle out exactly. in the car. They're running out to the car. They're coming in and drinking an eight dollar Red Bull or whatever it is now. Twelve dollar Red Bull, you know, because that's all they can sell. California operates in the same manner. They refer to them as juice bars, and, and a lot of them frequently have another bar that they're affiliated with, like next door. And this is true. Was true. What, what was it called? The one out on on. On in Ballard on Fifteenth of Sands something yes. like that the, yeah yes. I don't think it's on I don't 15th. even know if it's there anymore thank the might the be. but it had a bar the Thunderbird the bar was right next to it and so people would like zip back and forth but I'm sorry they didn't have rotating doors on both places because that's what people were doing is going back and forth just incorporate it into one thing and heavily regulate it perfect
1: well here's here's another part that maybe some of you like myself. Did not know. But about that, the stripper bars. About Shush. But dancers have to pay to work in these strip clubs. Yeah. So same, same as are, Taxi Driver. They right. are paying.
3: They start their shift below zero, work to zero, yes. and then make money beyond and, that.
1: And it's around $200 a night. So if they miss a shift, they essentially owe the club back rent. So this bill would ban that whole back rent idea and allow alcohol sales so that the clubs would not be... Basically piggybacking on the women so, who work there to make their money. So
3: that's, this is an interesting, actually an interesting subset of that whole structure. Because you know who also actually starts, starts every day below zero? Frequently, if you're a deckhand on a fishing boat, you're actually contributing to food and fuel in that boat. You get paid out. You can make a lot of money. If you have a good season, awesome. You got have a great season. But you can, if your boat doesn't catch anything or catches less than what, your, what you owe the boat for that, so so do you end the structure, same with, with if you're cutting hair in many cases, same if you're driving a taxi in many cases? like So do you end the structure everywhere? And I'm not suggesting I like it. I think that it would be a great idea to sort of everyone get a minimum wage for showing up to work.
1: Well, but, I but think this in is, this case, this one is actually being pushed by the people who work there themselves this but, is a bill that's well, supported by of course it's, them. Of yes. course it's being but pushed by it, the people who work there yeah, themselves but, but, that's but, who but, would push it right but but is it you were asking is it something that everybody wants or should be should extend to these other things and i think it needs to be on a case by case basis
5: well mike you're, you're you're kind of making the counter argument against this which is it's it's not on the government to fix your business models. Like hair salons and stylists don't say we need alcohol or we can't make money. Look, the the clubs have the option of charging whatever entry fee they want to get people in the door. They have the option of doing membership fees. And I'm not necessarily against this bill, but if this passes, you will see a massive expansion of the strip club industry in this state, and a ton of profits going to strip club owners. Strippers will also do better. The question is do we want more of this in our state? And I and I think that's where lawmakers are going to have to come down. Well,
3: and that's and that's always been sort of the 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 backstory on the way it's structured in Washington State as well as it is in California. And to your point, I'm not advocating for one pay structure or another. What I'm saying is that this pay structure doesn't solely exist in this environment. It exists in a variety of environments. And I'm not, I'm actually happy if they come in and they're getting a minimum wage regardless of what they earn. This was the whole controversy over the the four foot rule. The lap dances turned out were how you made your money in these places that's how you got up to yeah. zero and beyond zero and that's how you made your tips right that's r- was your functional income in those places if they get paid for coming in and get paid an hourly wage and then get tips on top of that that certainly is what works for with my people I'd be thrilled with that hmm.
1: okay still ahead why six pack abs might be bad for your health good thing I don't have to worry about that one <laughs> 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 this is the Giers show with Mike Lewis. This is the Gian Ursula Show. Happy Wednesday to all of you. And is pursuing six pack abs something that you've been working on for a while now? Are you, ask,
3: th- are you actually asking y- me this question?
1: Yes. <laughs> because I'm, I'm, I'm going to have you...
3: <laughs> are you actually I'm, asking me this question? I'm asking
1: you a question. I already know the answer.
3: <laughs> All right. So, yes. so I can say independently, I have been yes. working on six packs. <laughs> yes.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I've occasionally worked on abs.
1: But as it turns
0: out, the pursuit of the perfect body may actually not be good for your health. Hardcore abs don't always mean better health. Dr. Britta Larson, associate professor, UC San Diego, studied men of all backgrounds in their 60s for almost 20 years. She says the results were shocking.
4: The big surprise was that more muscle in the abdominal cavity was associated with more coronary heart disease. But why? That's kind of the frustrating thing about observational research. We don't really know why. She says research didn't find the same results in women. So there's a few possible reasons for that. It could be that women are just healthier overall. They had a much lower risk of heart disease overall. Or it could also be that women are just smaller and just didn't have as much muscle as men. I asked Dr. Larson why the study is important. It adds to this growing body of research on muscle being an important part of health. So for so long, we have just focused on fat when we look at body composition. And muscle is an active metabolic tissue and we're seeing more and more that it is very closely related to health, to mortality, to cardiovascular disease. And how do you know if you have the type of muscles that may cause heart disease? That's a really good question, Um, yeah, because it's hard to go to your doctor and get a CT scan, right? So right now, no one has a way of knowing they have healthy muscle. She says scientists should start looking at muscle health as people age. Especially given the extreme risk we saw in this study that men with the highest amount of muscle had six times the risk of heart disease.
0: Mickey Gomez,
1: Cairo News Radio. And Mickey is in studio with us right now. First of all, happy birthday. Thank you. It's uh, so fun to work with you. And every day you just bring so much joy into our lives. And I just want everybody to know that it is your birthday. Yay.
0: Well, thank you. And I feel the same way
1: about you. You deserve to be celebrated. Okay, listening to this study though, Mm -hmm. I'm still kind of scratching my head a little bit. It's like it goes against what you would think because someone who is working toward Having more muscle, mm-hmm. you would think, is in better cardiovascular shape in men, as well.
0: In men, in men, yeah, because they didn't find the same uh, results in women, which was very shocking. And so the the, the kind of scary thing is, is that you could look at two different men and 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 compare abs and that whole you know that whole uh, area that is thick and in that the stomach cavity. And and neither will know, well, do I have the good muscle or do I have the muscle that's going to cause heart disease later on in life? There's no way of really knowing without getting that CT scan and having someone who is qualified to read that scan and say, aha, you've got fat in your muscle.
3: Yeah, this is an odd one because, you know, it's still not we're not that sort of correlation causation mm-hmm. distinction, right? Yeah, you know, exactly. whether or not these are people who are. Unusually, They're just working on one area because it's a vanity muscle more than it is, you know, Mm -hmm. sort of an accessory muscle rather than rather than actually something that you need sort of for health and getting around and and whatnot. And so do they make other lifestyle choices like the early health studies on caffeine? Indicated caffeine was pretty bad for you, but then they sort of teased out. Well, wait a minute. The people who are drinking a lot of caffeine were staying out late, you know, exactly. eating late, like all of the stuff. Uh-huh. And, and it turns out that it actually, if you tease out the one thing, there was a correlation, but not a causation, right? And I, right. so, and right, right, it right. seems like that's an open question here. And
0: what, and what uh, was, oh, go I ahead, actually have so a sorry. theory uh-huh. about
5: that, Mike, because if you have ever spent time with someone who is a bodybuilder as a guy and spends a lot of time on their body, the cocktails of supplements that men take, yes. from creatine to testosterone to steroids to like high protein loading, like all of that kind of stuff. I don't think it's as common for women to take those kind of supplements because they're not looking to build muscle mass in the same way. They're generally looking at toning a body. And I I wonder if there's long-term implications of all the supplements that men take versus women.
1: And I also worry, I think, mm-hmm. great point, Chef, and I also worry that because it's a sexy headline, six-pack abs, you know, or might not be good for you kind of thing, mm-hmm. that We might be hyper-focusing on the wrong thing because I think a bigger problem, especially now that so many people are taking these diet drugs, Mm -hmm. is the loss of muscle. Yes. The loss of muscle, right. Yes. And so I don't want that to get lost in the message. I mean, even myself, I, I am in a constant battle with my weight and I worry and I wish that I started strength training a long time ago. Yeah because I've been more worried about the cardiovascular or getting those walks in without really thinking about well, when you're losing the weight you need to retain you, you don't want to lose your muscle
0: right you want to lose the fat not the muscle what was really interesting that Dr. Larson said and during our interview is that they didn't find the same issue with men who worked on their legs so if you had a lot of muscle Bingo. in your right. legs um, you didn't have the same uh, response as that muscle right there in your belly so don't skip leg day which, you know,
3: you know? <laughs> what they've been and, telling us since we were kids is do not skip leg don't day skip and don't leg day. sweat
0: it if you don't have that six
1: pack out exactly. yeah don't sweat it at exactly.
3: all I've not <laughs> been sweating it at all apparently
1: well you look good <laughs> <laughs> i love it nikki thank you you're and welcome. Again, happy birthday Thanks, oh, you guys are great and happy birthday okay coming up in what's new at 10 an initiative that would loosen the rules for when police can chase a criminal suspect is getting a hearing right now in olympia we'll have details on that and more next on the GNR show